1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Underworld Stack Fest, brought to you by Player Profiler here at RotoGrinders.com. That's a mouthful. That's yeah. a lot of. We got a lot of name. We got a lot of names going on in the show. Of long but, words
2: too. Several but, <laughs> syllables to put together. Yes.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I am your host Eric Bynford. I'm joined this week just myself. Where we're we're uh, tag teaming. Um, week five here, myself and Dario, Austin, Matt could not be with us. He is probably off celebrating from the fact that we uh, <laughs> had maybe our most successful kind of uh, show. If you if you set aside what I said about TJ Hawkinson, you probably could have just printed a whole bunch of money with everything that we, we touched on um, last week. And it wasn't like super profound stuff, but I think it is important to really quickly go back over kind of last week and just say like, we're starting to get to the point. This is how I feel. I'm wondering if you feel this way, Dario. I'm starting to get to the point where, of course, we don't know everything. Frankly, we still probably don't know very know very much. But we're starting mm-hmm. to pick up some kind of team level trends, league level trends, and some things we can sink our teeth into a little bit more um, and feel really good about like in every single, you know, matchup kind of what the lions are going to do, right. What the bucks are going to do. We're going to talk about some of these teams, what the, the Falcons (laughs) on the opposite end of the spectrum from those two, what Mm -hmm. what are the Falcons going to do, you know, come out and run the ball 14 times in a 14 times (laughs) in a row in one of the highest total games of the week. And so I think we're at least getting, you know, not necessarily to have we solved world hunger. Of course not. But I think we're getting to the point where we're starting to at least understand, um, Some of those things that can, you know, like, you know, weeks one and week two, uh, we don't know what to think, really. And I think we have a little bit better idea of that right now.
2: Yeah, definitely. A a four game sample. I mean, you know, it's huge compared to when we were talking about week one and knew absolutely nothing or week two. And we just had one game to go off of. But like you said, I think that there's a lot that is still changing and. You know, the, I think like the broadcasters keep talking about how, oh, none of these teams played in the preseason. September is like a warm up for them. And we've already seen so many injuries. I mean, the like we've got Andy Dalton and Teddy Bridgewater starting games. Kenny Pickett's <laughs> yeah. already taken over the starting job. I'm, what Bailey Zappi is on it, the main it, slate it,
1: this week? Like it's simultaneously we have the rookies. Kenny, although Kenny Pickett's pretty old, he probably could have played a, a, a many years ago. Kenny Pickett <laughs> and Bailey Zappi, right on on one hand, and then we're we're still trotting out Andy Dalton and Teddy Bridgewater on the other hand. It's it's right. wild how how the season's coming together.
2: Yeah, no, and the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is already fully in, like it's just been. Yeah, <laughs> I think we talked about this last week, where it's like, oh man, it's week four, and we're already talking about these nobodies, and it's <laughs> we, it just it got way worse this week. So you did. Yeah. We're gonna like really have to. I feel like you have to deep dig really deep to just find anything interesting or appealing on this slate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's
1: 100%. So you mentioned kind of, you know, oh, my gosh, I can't believe and that's what we were talking about with like Josh, Josh Reynolds. You know, last week, Matt wouldn't shut up about Josh Reynolds. And, you know, that was right and certainly turned out to be even more right when DJ Chark, DJ Chark mm-hmm. was was out on Sunday. But, you know, I made kind of the joke, like you mentioned, like, oh, my God, are we okay? I got it, Josh Reynolds. Good play. Can we like let's not spend 15 minutes on a week four <laughs> show talking about Josh Reynolds? And now we're in week five, and I agree it's it's not only worse from like an injury perspective. They're just I, I, it's some of it has to do with the the teams that are not on the slate, right? Mm-hmm. When you remove some good yeah, teams, the- although the the two that played last night, I'm I'm kind of happy that they're not on <laughs> on the slate. But when you remove the Chiefs and and Raiders and all that, it, it does obviously get a little hairy but that being said it it's kind of like the the league is is a little bit of of a disaster right now mm-hmm. you kind of have the haves and the have nots right the eagles which we'll talk about here in just a minute the the eagles are kind of just like this wash rinse repeat every single week like we don't even like we're going to talk about them especially mm-hmm. this week in their matchup but you you just kind of have like the eagles okay yep you can play them every week the bills okay yep you can play them every week and then you have the the bears Maybe even, you know, the the Falcons, who we've been kind of interested in for a while, it's like, it's not that they can't have good games. It's just that, you know, like I said, it's kind of the haves and the have nots. And you're just not gonna get those like slate-breaking performances really from some teams just because of how they're, you know, how how they're whether it's their coach or whatever, how they're wired to play, to play the games. And so that creates Difficult DFS slates, particularly when you start to remove you remove the Chiefs and you remove those other like there's not a lot we can sink our teeth into, and so that makes for both, in my opinion, both like tough but kind of fun DFS slates because you we do have to dig right. The Josh Josh Reynolds would have been like a, a lock button today on this on this slate, whereas last week I thought it was a little more wide open. I think it kind of makes the digging into the stuff like we're going to do today um, a little more valuable.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that. You know, yeah, once DJ Chark was ruled out on Sunday, it was like completely wheels up for Reynolds and and Hawkinson, and they totally paid it off. So I think, you know, the Lions this week, they're in New England, much different game environment than hosting the Seahawks. Hmm. But that's not even one of the five games we want to highlight today. So do you (laughs) want to start us off with the Eagles and the Cardinals? Eagles, Cardinals, we've joked, I think we've joked almost every week now that,
1: um, Uh, Well, both of these, probably the Eagles are going to be on here because the Eagles are one of the true reliable teams that we can that are going to pass. They have a a dual threat quarterback. They have a fairly condensed target tree, right? They have everything we want for DFS and they're going to score a lot of points every single week. (laughs) They happen to align this week with the team that we also joke about whoever they're playing. We want guys against Mm -hmm. against the cardinals that we talked for a half hour in the the week one show about the chiefs and frankly that was the only game that the chiefs have really looked truly awesome on offense all year and it was against this arizona cardinals team it is the game is also in arizona so we have no you know weather concerns and i believe it's the highest total of of the slate yeah of the Um, main slate for sure yeah of, of of the main slate the the thing i really want to kind of get your two two main things that i'm struggling with with this game is a how easily do you think we can spend up for jalen hurts in in on this slate when we'll get to some of these other quarterbacks that exist that are not maybe amazing but they're like more than two thousand dollars worth of savings on DraftKings from mm-hmm. from Jalen Hurts, and then how are you going about attacking that that Eagles pass game where it is they're we're kind of ping ponging Dallas Goddard's just kind of like putting up twelve points every week, but we're kind of ping ponging games between AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, and then we got the Miles Sanders game. Shout out to Miles Sanders, by the way. I played him every single week for the first three weeks, and then in week four when I pivot off, I pivot <laughs> off. That's when we get the explosion game but you know, they're kind of ping ponging around the Eagles guys. Do you have like a, a kind of a lean into how you want to attack them?
2: I think that it's been interesting to see the Cardinals like Byron Murphy has done a really good job shutting out first. It was Devonte Adams and then Cooper cup had just about his worst game in fantasy that we've seen in the last like year plus. So they have somehow been able to keep number one receivers a little bit quiet recently these last couple of weeks, but I do think like the target share that AJ Brown has seen so far this year is completely insane. Like I think he's at a 33 32 33% target share on the season and you just can't fade that, I think. You have to yeah. like you have to play him. He's going to get his eight or nine targets and he's such a monster after the catch like you have to spend up for him in a good chunk of your Hurts lineups and I think the conversation is whether you pivot or like you include Smith or Goddard as like the secondary item or the mm, secondary yeah. sack. And then, you know, I think there's a good argument as Matt has laid out for just single sacking hurts, like using those other spots in your lineup for getting exposure to other games, because if hurts rushes for, you know, multiple touchdowns in a game, which he's very capable of doing, he's not going to bring the whole offense with him. So I think definitely you start with AJ Brown and I think Devontae Smith is kind of my clear second over Goddard because he's okay. been separating from Goddard in terms of targets as well. Like I think he's closer to 22% and Goddard's been around 17% target share, which um, is not a disparity that I think we expected to be quite that steep going into the season. Yeah, I, I have found
1: uh, I, Dallas Goddard's like, maybe Loki, one of my kind of favorite tight ends in the NFL, just always been really good, really efficient, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we got Zach Ertz out of there and it was like, that was an amazing little stretch run that he had, um, at the end of last year. But I have found it kind of interesting that it it has felt kind of like a two man show between AJ and Devonta and Devonta Smith's been a little bit more, um, kind of hit, hit or miss, but when he hits, when, when, when he's hitting, you know, he is hitting big time. And I think, um, uh for for subscribers uh, and i guess for non-subscribers uh, i have tagged devonta smith uh in in line hq for this week because i think he kind of he kind of comes at this price that is both um difficult and awesome for tournaments if that makes sense yeah. it's tough to get him to project well right because you know what sep- give give him seven or eight targets or something like that and it's like ah for $6000 on draftkings there's other dudes i mean we're going to get to some of them there's other guys that are just going to project better based on you know any inputs you put into a model or whatever mm-hmm. but he's on the stack that we want it's a little more affordable way to get access to that stack, and he has just as much upside as anybody. I mean, we saw it. Uh, they're yeah. even throwing him. You know, he's not just a down the field player either. I know he's a skinny little guy, but he won the Heisman. They're throwing him jump balls in the in the end zone too. Yeah, he's just really good at the game, and so he's probably my favorite play from this slate. But I I will just mention the like if Goddard caught two touchdowns. In any game, you probably gonna do it at some point in this game. If somebody can make the Eagles keep their foot on the gas for for one just once, please. Someone, I would like to see what happens. And tight end is so bad this week, like mm-hmm. so absolutely horrible this week that I think more than a normal week, I think um I, I do like Goddard. Any any anything else on the Eagles side? And then let's talk about the Cardinals because the <laughs> the Eagles are fun to talk about. It's it's the three or four guys, and we, we're excited to play all of them how the heck do I run
2: this back? Do I run this back on the Cardinals? Um, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess one last thing with the Eagles, right? Is last week we talked about Boston Scott's injury being like a good reason to be wheels up on Miles Sanders good and that rib call. injury still has him questionable. Like I think game time decision probably for Boston Scott, right? He hasn't been ruled out yet today. As far as I know, I haven't. Um, seen him. So definitely keep an eye on that. Cause I think, playing miles sanders i think he got to like i want to say it was 20 some carries last week 20, 26ish,
1: 27 something.
2: 27 carries so you know even if he get any game he gets to 20 you want to have him in your lineup and another week without boston scott could be another big miles sanders week and we you know we've hit on how good the eagles defense is and if there's any type of scenario where they do choke choke out cliff Kingsbury and his you know Cardinals offense it could be another big game for the running game which is of course Miles Sanders the way he's taken over there is I think something that again was unclear preseason that sort of like found its way into clarity
1: I can't I can't play him now I'm just going to be totally (laughs) honest I think everything you said is brilliant He's a, I think he's a really good play. I like last week. I liked it. I've liked it. Almost every single freaking week is Miles Sanders Eagles defense because like, and it's so funny because he's like almost kind of hit in a couple of the games and been okay in a couple of the games. Mm -hmm. And I think he had one, one bad game. And then last week, just, you know, just how it goes sometimes with the, the slate dynamics, you don't have it. And then he has his absolutely monster game. So for the sake of the listeners who I agree with that comment, Miles is a pretty awesome pivot off of what should be some pretty big chalk at uh, at, at running back. I won't play him, so you guys can reap the benefits. Because when I play <laughs> him, it you get the nine point game, and uh, you guys can have the the thirty point game. What about the Cardinals? How is, generous. Is, is, yeah, yeah. Exactly. What about the, what about the Cardinals? Um, I've seen some people talk again about the tight end thing with Zach Ertz mm-hmm. and then Hollywood Brown. Can we do and it? Rondale looks. Uh, Cliff said earlier today he's a game time game time decision again. Oh, they just seem kind of like a mess. Is it just Hollywood and Ertz, uh, or or am I missing something?
2: Yeah, I mean Rondale. I was looking at the usage last week, and I was surprised to see he came in and immediately got. I think it was about sixteen percent mm-hmm. of the targets. So that's, like, pretty solid. I didn't realize he was – I don't think I had caught that he was questionable still. Um, I just saw it, so, like, an hour
1: – maybe an hour ago. So I don't know. Him and Dortch, yeah. who knows? That's a Sunday thing probably.
2: Yeah, and that's – it's always a little scary with the Eagles cornerbacks. Again, we saw that. We've seen them shut out Justin Jefferson. Like, the commanders receivers pretty much did nothing in that game. And we've seen them yep. be really good in other games. So – I think that definitely Hollywood and Ertz are your primary plays. And I think that, you know, the tight end position, the tight end situation this week has definitely been one of the narratives of the slate in terms of how I've thought about it. Cause you always have like that debate of, Oh, do I spend up for Andrews or Kelsey here versus everyone else? And this week we don't have a choice. It's like pick your poison (laughs) among everyone else. Like you're Mm going to get anywhere from like half a point to 11. So, (laughs) If you get, like, just please score a touchdown. Like, I I
1: just, I don't care who I'm playing, get in the end zone, and you're probably good this week, honestly. Yeah,
2: totally. So I think that Ertz, like, he's been, Kyler's been looking his way a ton, and Kyler Murray, I think, had his most accurate game in week four, if I'm not mistaken. So things are potentially looking up for the Cardinals offense. I think that Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz are definitely the way you want to approach it. I think that there's just, like, Still, especially on DraftKings, there's probably other values at tight end. We'd rather like. I think we'd mm-hmm. rather play Goddard for a hundred dollars less than play Ertz if we're even already talking yeah. about this game, and like Tyler Conklin's a thousand dollars cheaper. So I think that Ertz is a little bit tougher to stomach just based on the tight end landscape. But I like those two as like the main runbacks in that game stack.
1: Yeah, it. Th- th- this is something that I struggle with, admittedly. Mm-hmm. Being more of like a single entry, three entry max player, I'm trying to a, a decent crux of my strategy. Right when you're playing smaller field stuff, is to kind of limit the amount of things I need to get right. I don't need to hit the stone cold nuts like last week, which had like f- every Seahawk mm-hmm. and Lion basically, you know, all in the same lineup with Austin Eckler, you know, who bounced back with uh, uh, the touchdowns and everything. I don't need to hit that to win the tournaments that I'm primarily focused on, and so mm-hmm. I, I this show is perfect because I'm always kind of looking for how do I stack around a game? Give me one or two things I need to get right on the slate, right? Give me this, this game. Let's, let's just use the Eagles Cardinals and maybe one other game with like a secondary correlation. Like we constantly talk about with like the lions or whatever. And like, boom, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm if that hits, I'm alive to win. The Cardinals are so difficult when it's not like, clear cut for Hollywood like we've had a couple spots where we we or I have played Hollywood he made a lot of sense you get into this like you outlined Justin Jefferson couldn't perform against (laughs) against the Eagles right they're they're shutting dudes down they're shutting everybody down honestly you might get a little garbage time here or there but it's been really difficult for opposing offenses against the Eagles which makes it tougher for me which is probably why I keep (laughs) screwing up this Miles Sanders Eagles defense thing because it's like well if nobody on the Cardinals projects well I, I don't expect them to have any any form of success yes i like the hurts uh stacks of course who doesn't but it almost leads to just another miles sanders script which is an eagles defense script and so i struggle mm-hmm. with I, I definitely struggle with this game it's it's very appealing it's the highest total i love the eagles right but, but out of all the games it's actually the one i struggle with the most i think ironically if that if that makes any sense
2: no yeah i totally it's like and I think this is a perfect example of why this slate is like especially gross and confusing. It's like the game that should be the best on paper still has like a very good chance of this outcome that it's a complete dud for DFS. Like I'm looking at Kyler Murray's player page right now, and it's like you don't see Kyler Murray projected for this love of ownership very often. He has <laughs> the upside that we like to see, but it's like Eagles defense, man. That's that's terrifying stuff. So I don't even I don't think I'll even be playing any Kyler lineups, even though it looks like it might be wise on paper. It's just like, yep, this Eagles defense between the front seven and their, you know, their uh, secondary. It's just like no one's been able to get anything going on them.
1: I don't know. Just it, we'll move on here to to the to the next game. When are the Eagles going to lose? I, I have know. You, right, looked, no, you I, look at their I, schedule. Yeah. They might go undefeated. They, they, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to totally overreact to one month of football, but I don't really see a game. They don't have anybody right. in the division. I mean, unless Dak comes back and the Cowboys somehow, you know,
2: they're next five something games out. are they're playing at the Cardinals, and then they get the Cowboys at home, Steelers at home, at the Texans, Commanders at home, <laughs> at the Colts, Packers <laughs> at home. That could be they could they could be 10, okay, ten and zero or eleven and zero going into this Packers game. Yeah, it's um you know, they, they do seem like such a dominant like they're just head and shoulders above the rest of the NFC right now. Oh, yeah. Do you it's agree? Not, yes, 100%. It's not even
1: close. So, two teams that are in this weird range of the AFC, which is definitely a much more loaded conference kind of as as you mentioned. The Chargers go to Cleveland to play the Browns. And it's another one of these weird freaking Browns games that have like, kind of like last week. I I, I don't want to compare the, the chargers to the Falcons, but last week we had a fairly high total, some appealing fantasy plays. You can understand why guys on the chargers guys on the Browns in both the matchups with the total, et cetera, all look good for DFS. And then um, you were mentioning kind of something before before the show, which is exactly what played out in the Falcons and Browns game last week, where it's like, look, Amari looks good. Njoku looks good. You know, uh, London looks good. Pitts looks good. And then both of these coaches just said, F this. We're running the football. Yep. And like the, the Falcons won the game. Absolutely <laughs> win the game with 14 straight (laughs) runs in the second half. And there's clips of uh, Arthur Smith at halftime are coming out to the second half, like, you know, getting all the old school boomer, getting his guys fired up. We're about to run the F out of the ball. You know, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball, blah, blah, blah. And like, just just old-school type stuff, and that's what I get concerned with, kind of like we talked about with the haves and have-nots. I really like both these offenses. This is not the same game as the Falcons, because I do expect the Chargers to to kind of attack the Browns' secondary a little mm-hmm. bit more. But would I be surprised if this was kind of another like, eh, dud, like, dud game, even though both offenses look good? I wouldn't be surprised. So tell me how the heck to come at this one, which is what? The second-highest total. So, you know, we're right. on to the, top, the <laughs> top two totals of the week, and I'm still feeling kind of shaky.
2: Yeah, no, I think that the, yeah, the, like you pointed out, the key difference between this game and last week's Browns game is the Chargers, their run game is actually their short passing game, right? Like yeah. Joe Lombardi, very pass-heavy. Justin Herbert, even though he's been playing through his rib injury, leads the league in passing yards through four weeks. So like that that's pretty remarkable. They're number five in team pass plays per game, number three in pace of play. So I think that this is just a, another game where I expect the – and like, I think is Miles Garrett been ruled out. I know he's... he's,
1: he's back, but Clowney is not, well, Clowney's not ruled out yet, but um, I believe Miles Garrett is not on the injury report. Okay.
2: But I like this Brown's pass rush is not fully healthy. And Justin Herbert, I think he's got another week to recover from the rib injury. And I think he might be a sneaky good play. I actually put this out in the Roto Underworld newsletter. It's like, he looked Mostly like himself last week, it was we had one really bad game coming, you know, 10 days after the rib injury. Now it's been a full, what, two and a half weeks because it was on a Thursday night game in week two. Yeah, yeah. And I I think that there's a chance we see like, you know, the Justin Herbert we know and love in this game and at fairly low ownership. So I think that this could be a potentially huge game for the Chargers offense. And Keenan Allen is still not trending to play this week, right? So Mm -hmm. another concentrated target share toward Mike Williams. I think Gerald Everett had like a midweek injury too that is not looking very optimistic, right? Right um i believe that's i
1: believe that's correct i'm trying to look all these these up on the fly of course we do this show like kind of when all the news is literally like i know uh, coming out so you're trying to stay on top of on top of everything i don't i can't confirm the gerald everett but obviously yeah keenan keenan um is struggling and i do want to just piggyback i actually played in my main team i played a charger stack which um hilariously worked out and I was still had absolutely zero chance of making any, any, any money because I didn't have, you know, the, the Hawkinsons of the world and such, but Mm -hmm. um, I totally agree. And now it was the Texans, but I thought Herbert looked awesome. I thought Mike Williams looked awesome. Mike Williams was kind of dominating targets. Josh, uh, uh, Josh Palmer. That's what I wanted to ask by. He got hurt last week.
2: Um, I don't know what the latest is on on him. Yeah, so anyway, it looks dip- like he was limited on Wednesday and Thursday. Okay. And I mean, they're, you know, the West Coast teams. We don't get the injury reports until later on Friday. So, so I'm not sure I, what, what I will see.
1: What, what happened, I would yeah. just probably say is monitoring this whole situation, because it's going to kind of get lost in the shuffle over. The, what, what tends to happen, right, is we get the news like now Thursday and Friday that like shakes up the slate and everybody's like, we feel certain about those situations. Then come Sunday, you get maybe some secondary ones, right? If like Mike Williams was out or something like that out of nowhere, it would, people would definitely make some pivots and stuff. But like when you get a Josh Palmer or a Gerald Everett situation, the, the ownership is not really going to change too much. People are kind of locked into what they're doing mm-hmm. and locked into, to the, the, the best plays and all of that. and, monitoring the josh palmers and the gerald everett's and obviously keenan allen can can turn this from a already condensed target tree like you mentioned to like uh do we just need to freaking play mike williams you know is mike and williams like all of a sudden and eckler 100 and eckler and then you still you have like we talked about last week in this game and uh we can touch on briefly done the brown side right if you do think they're going to establish it with chubb Nobody's going to play Nick Chubb again. We talked about Hunt last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- y- you can kind of always sprinkle some Hunt in. And then they have two guys, right? Basically two dudes in the passing game, Amari Cooper and, and David Njoku. That's condensed on their side too. Mm-hmm. And so I do think this game is pretty appealing for for tournaments. It's just definitely something you're going to kind of have to monitor a little bit more than, than some of the other games.
2: Right. And then obviously the ultimate indicator of whether a fantasy game will explode or whether you know a football game will explode for fantasy purposes is what did these two teams do when they met up last year and (laughs) um in case anyone forgot the chargers and the browns had an absolute shootout last year where um, this is the game where brandon staley earned his reputation for going for all those fourth downs baker mayfield kept his foot on the gas so If if it worked for us last week, I'm just saying we we have to we have to put it out into the universe that these two teams went absolutely nuclear last year when they played each other. I think the final score did both both teams had 40. I believe so. Yes, that that, I'm pretty sure that game 42 to 47.
1: Good Lord. I'm not saying that people were chasing uh, because of that, but there were multiple other times where people were like Browns games got kind of popular but I and I understand why you had obviously the good run game but then you had at times either really condensed target trees to the Jarvis Landry's or Odell for a small stretch or whatever And the Browns' secondary... The Browns' defense is kind of the same situation this year. Mm -hmm. Up front, when healthy, really good, vulnerable on the back end, which leads to potentially some big-time DFS games. (laughs) And I think that that Chargers game, the Chargers' defense was so bad that the Browns became like... Everybody thought, like, oh, my God, the Browns can have these huge games moving forward the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. And it was like, no, it was literally the Chargers. It was was just the Chargers. I have have that fear about uh, uh, a couple of other teams. Go ahead.
2: And I think the Chargers' defense has been... One of the most improved units over the course of the offseason, oh, yeah. but the you know the the dangerous thing here is like Bosa is still out right, like they're they have like two cornerbacks questionable, mm-hmm. so like maybe we do see that terrible version of the Chargers defense again. But I think that obviously, like I'm not legitimately endorsing only looking at last year's results <laughs> for your DFS strategy, just in case anyone out there is taking me literally, but yeah i think that like you said kareem hunt I, I still think he's a great play because he's getting the same usage every week and it's just been some weeks he's going to get the touchdowns and we haven't seen it in weeks two through four we saw it in week one and it's very plausible any given week i think on Fanduel he's still like three thousand dollars cheaper than nick chubb which is pretty insane to me um but yeah overall the Chargers run defense wasn't good last year, still not looking particularly good this year. So the Browns could very easily establish it with Chubb and hunt and then find their spots to let Brissett pick apart the Chargers secondary. So I think this game definitely has the potential to be like, you know, sneaky nuclear, just like, just like last year, I guess yeah ex- exactly um
1: it is it is funny we were talking about that bef- before the show and uh I, I have i've considered just pivoting to the to the the tout that just says let's play the games that blew up um <laughs> last year after after going on i want i don't know how many shows it was I do several uh every single week and uh talking about tj hawkinson in a very negative light literally every single show and then him <laughs> him specifically being the one guy you need to win to win tournaments. We'll put your tail between your legs, but um, as we as we move on to kind of an, another game here, maybe probably the most popular quarterback of of the slate. Um, interesting kind of nuances to this this game as well. But we have Bucks at the Falcons. Bucks are actually favored by favored by ten, and uh, I, that that might grow. Um, Kyle yep. Pitts is out, so the Falcons who want to establish it uh now have even one less weapon when the bucks make them not establish it and the falcons kind of look to be trending i know i know that they've uh you know pulled out some wins and had some some uh good games but just without kyle pitts and kind of how they're winning some of these games it seems a little smoke and mirrors to me and then you get the bucks kind of getting healthy right getting healthy ish but getting the Mm -hmm. receivers back um offensive line still a little bit shaky but throwing the ball a ton. They look a lot more like last year's Bucks to me. And I, I'm I mean the the spread is double digits so everybody is clearly worried about the Falcons. But I'm pretty worried about the Falcons' ability to put up too much of a of a fight here. But they have some I don't want to say easy bring backs, but like, yeah, I mean, if, if this game's going to remain competitive, there's particularly one guy on the Falcon side, when yep. we're, we're doing a game stack show that makes it pretty straightforward to kind of run back any Brady stacks with, but where are you starting with on uh bucks and Falcons? And I'll pull up the, uh, uh, there we go. Thanks, Steve.
2: Yep. I think like you said, it's, it's Drake London all the way for your run back. Like, especially with Kyle Pitts ruled out Drake London's already been commanding, um, uh, 30 plus percent target share as a rookie which is pretty insane um where is he uh there we go um and we'll yeah so we'll start with tom brady here and what other player would you say we should lock in from i was looking for his face and i forgot that we have him as a little goat um (laughs) but uh this is not who I want to want to start with, but I do think
1: this Greg's question about K. Doten because Cam Brait just got ruled out today mm-hmm. um, speaks to how this game is kind of tricky on the Bucs side. Right. A- at least on the, the Falcon side, like you said, you can go in and just kind of let's just pick Drake London, because honestly, yeah. if anybody's going to blow up the slate from the Falcons, it pretty much has to be Drake London. But on the Bucs side, God went back. Julio's questionable now. So who knows what's going on with him? They do technically have, uh, you know, punt tight ends available. You do have Fournette, and you know Brady is basically free on on, mm-hmm. on DraftKings at, at, at six thousand dollars. It's I'm interested to see kind of what spits out to us here, uh, with with the Bucks because I think, uh, yeah, picking picking your brain would Godwin or Evans would be kind of the the primary to me, but I don't have a really a strong preference.
2: Yeah, I think that Godwin like. He- He got 10 targets last week in his first week back. I mean, that was not something I think I expected to see where they, you know, in week one, they put him back out there. He hurts his hamstring and you kind of would have thought that they'd ease him back in Mm -hmm. the second time around. But they just went, "Nah, dude, go ahead. Like, (laughs) you're you're good. Um, So I think that what we could do here is say, like, tell the optimizer to give us at least two Buccaneers with Brady, but not say specifically who. Mm-hmm. And then pick someone from one of the other games that we like. Say maybe maybe we'll, let's lock in Mike Williams in this lineup just because we just talked about the, okay. the yep. nice situation that he's in. So we can see what comes up here. Keep a tight end out of the flex, especially this week. Mm-hmm. Yes, please then... no tight end flex. <laughs> I don't want to um... play any of
1: them, so please God don't get me two of them in the same lineup. <laughs> Right, so let's this see. is Oh, interesting. It does have Lenny. It does it uh it uses Lenny as the second buck. Uh, that's pretty interesting
2: yeah. to me. I think that probably not a lot of people are going to play Brady with Lenny. So even though Mm-mm. their um projected ownership which is now in, you know, the lineups here on the right, even though their projected ownerships are probably pretty uh, are both pretty high, I'd be surprised to see a lot of Brady with Lenny, right? Because I don't think yep. that like we know that Fournette's going to catch passes and he gets targets from Brady but you kind of in the way that you play out this game in your head you think oh either Brady's just going to air it out and it's going to be a big game for Evans and Godwin or the Bucks are going to grind it out on the ground and it's just going to be a big Fournette game but I think that all you need is Brady to throw one touchdown to Fournette maybe Fournette runs in a second one and they could easily both get there and I think that's a actually pretty unique combination I don't mind it and, then, um, just to
1: touch really quickly before we kind of finish the lineup, uh, mari says, uh, Rashad white is 5,100 on DraftKings. Uh, so two, I have two thoughts slash comments about Rashad white. One is I wouldn't read too much into like specifically the result of Rashad white last, last week, you know, he did get in the box. He did catch, catch uh, a couple balls or whatever. That game was pretty much over at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And so the like specific box score result that you got from Rashad White, I think I would would throw out. What I wouldn't throw out, and like the exact amount of snaps that he played, he got up to. I'm looking at it right now. He got up to. He played 24 snaps for 38 of uh, of the Bucks' offensive snaps. So he's, in my opinion, going to like spell Lenny. I think we even might have talked about this mm-hmm. last week, or or at some point, Lenny came out and said, or there was a quote that basically he told the the young backs that like you guys I can't play every single snap (laughs) I'm getting older I would (laughs) like you know continue making millions of dollars playing football I can't play 100% of snaps every single game for the rest of my career so you guys got to basically step up and so what they did was it was almost like the Dalvin Cook Alexander Madison type split where Lenny is still playing every single phase of the game and every snap when he's out there but then Mm -hmm. Rashad White would like give him a series off you know, he comes in for the third series or whatever. And Lenny just gets that whole time off. And and the Vikings like to do that with Matt or at least used to with Madison and, and Dalvin. And so I think if this game kind of isn't competitive, you might see a little bit more Rashad, yeah. Rashad white. Right. But if this game is competitive and it's blowing up and certainly for the first like half and three or, or three quarters, Lenny's going to get his, you know, he's going to have his 70% snap share or whatever. And he's, he's going to get his. And so, I, I not yet. I, I wouldn't be doing anything with Rashad White yet is basically what I'm saying. But maybe in the yeah. future, if Lenny does miss a game, it's definitely going to be wheels up for White then.
2: Oh, totally. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. And then last week, I'm pretty sure that Leonard Fournette was still questionable going into the game. Like he's been on and off the injury report in that game where they were completely out of it against the Chiefs. It doesn't surprise me that Rashad White got that usage. But I think that his salary jumped accordingly because he did find the end zone so it's kind of like if he were still a sneaky play like he's been in weeks past sure but the salary you know builders in the in the you know in their evil lair are (laughs) like kind of caught on to Rashad White getting because at the end of the day like you said he had basically Tony Pollard esque usage last game but I Mm -hmm. think that we need to see you know one or two more weeks of that to say that that's like a trend and not an, an anomaly due to that game script and Lenny's ling- lingering injuries yep um, so anyway back back yep. back
1: back to here what are your first kind of initial thoughts on this outside of uh uh having Lenny with Brady I don't know that I love playing Lenny with Brady but I can see, I mean I can see look, I mean, look at last week just play all the Seahawks and lions. And it it kind of like, doesn't matter when you hit the right game or not even the right game, the right right offense, right? The offense that scores 40 something points, you know, you kind of don't care where it comes from and it's probably going to come from Brady's arm or Lenny's legs. So I do think it's maybe somewhat, somewhat interesting, but um, what are, what other kind of initial thoughts on, on this team?
2: I think that, I mean, Christian Kirk is someone that I've been a huge fan of playing this, this year so far, 6,600 solid price there. And then Dalton Schultz kind of scares me. I mean, he he's coming off that PCL injury still, but if you look at the other tight ends <laughs> that he's been priced down to, it's kind of like, yeah, sure, we can take that shot. With <laughs> like, yep. like, would you rather spend thirty five hundred on Mike Gesicki? Like, no, no, thank you. So yep. I think that for Dalton Schultz's like volume upside, not saying he's like a you know he doesn't have upside in the same way that David Njoku or Dallas Goddard does, but. Dal- Dal- Dalton Schultz definitely will get games with seven, eight, nine targets and you're not seeing many guys with that ability in this price range so I can see why the optimizer came around and liked him and then I think that Jeff Wilson is in a really good spot too I mean I definitely expected to see a little bit more of Jordan Mason or Marlon Mack in these games since TDP got hurt but they've been just completely making Jeff Wilson a bell cow and the 49ers should be absolutely dominant in this game. So I think that <laughs> this is a pretty good spot for Jeff Wilson. I I would say I like this lineup where ownership's not too bad. um, And then the Seahawks defense, I think is in a good spot here too, where they're just like, I don't know. It's Andy Dalton. I don't know why the saints are favored by five and a half. <laughs> and if, you know, if Jameis somehow comes around and plays, he's questionable now, but trending towards not playing since I don't think he practiced. Mm-hmm. like if james does play then you're even more excited about the seahawks defense so i think it's kind of a win-win there and what can, i really
1: like about that that, that team, can you go back just really quickly yeah. what
2: i really like about this
1: <clears throat> this type of a team is you're mixing in i like that you put mike williams in there um and it just so happened to work out this way but you get your core stack right so we get the bucks right and then there's only that one alpha play target dominant wide receiver on the other side. So it's like, if you're right about the Bucks stack, I'm not saying London is a lock to get there, but he's going to have every opportunity to, you're not Mm going to, you know, if if you hit the hit on the bucks, you're going to be feeling good about London, whether he gets there or not. Then two wide receivers who we like, the spots, we like the volume upside, we like the general fantasy upside, right? Alpha wide receivers, Christian Kirk and and Mike Williams. And then you mentioned Jeff Wilson is kind of an alpha running back. He's not really, he's not priced as such, and the name probably doesn't uh, make sense, but he handled, Debo had two carries last week, and Jeff Wilson had 18. And like you said, Jordan Mason, no one else, uh, Marlon Mack, none of those guys got involved in the run game. And they actually didn't, I know they won the game really handily. They didn't run very many plays. They didn't even run, I don't believe, 50 plays in mm-hmm. in that game uh the, the the typical jimmy g uh type type offense yeah so one one, like big a... to, one big play to Debo and a bunch of useless and one big jeff wilson run and right. a, and a touchdown nonsense. from the defense that's like the yeah. most typical jimmy g win you can get i think i saw <laughs> yeah, exactly. someone saying exactly. but so um. but jeff wilson gets 18 carries out of their like 48 plays you know, yeah. and nobody else in the backfield is touching it. And I mean, it's the Panthers. I, I kind of respect the Panthers defense, like from a macro perspective, but from a game environment perspective, I mean, they should just be, I, I just don't see how Baker yeah. can can do anything against this defense. So I really like totally. kind of how, how you fit those pieces in around your stack, right? I thought it was a really good way to handle this, that like not every other piece has to perfectly correlate or whatever, but you get that game right. And then you just have all these kind of like, I would call them alphas right? You're going to get all the volume you possibly want and all the upside you possibly want, and they fit perfect around that stack.
2: No, yeah, I agree. And then I think that a lot of times, so the way this optimizer works is like it does try to force those like secondary game stacks, but I think that when you do a double stack with your main quarterback, it sort of, it reduces, like it accounts for a certain amount of stackage already if you will, so it didn't necessarily force another game stack in here, although I think we could You know, I think that the Jaguars and Texans game is a very good one to pick some secondary stacks from. Mm And I also think that the Saints and Seahawks game is going to be another decent one to pick secondary stacks from where we can pick up Olave and one of Metcalf and lock it and then just like jam those two into a lineup together. And if that game hits, they're propelling that lineup even further.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you need indeed.
1: hundred um, percent. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious to see what kind of, some of these, yeah, there's, a few there's, more there's my guy, here. Zay, very excited for, for Zay. He's questionable, um, but he's been limited at practice where, we're hoping that Zay is going to be back. What do you What do you think? Let, let's. I know we're, we're we're game stack show and stuff, but fitting in some of these running backs around your your game stack, like uh, Marié asked about uh, Mostert. You know, so we talked about Jeff Wilson. We've obviously talked mm-hmm. about Lenny. You kind of have some of those chalky ish running backs in the what the Damian Pierce's of the world around that kind of 6, six K range. Was there anyone to you that kind of stood out? I do kind of like Mostert, but I in my, my general point and slash question is running back actually feels kind of wide open to me this week maybe for one of the first weeks uh you like it definitely didn't feel wide mm-hmm. open to me last week even though maybe it should have um but it feels kind of wide open to me at at running back and so are you kind of prioritizing the you know you're going to that stack first and then seeing kind of what what running back fits or how are you how, how are you approaching that generally
2: yeah i think it's definitely some of that where it's finding out who will fit Afterward, I think I already mentioned Miles Sanders kind of when we talked about the Eagles-Cardinals game. I know he's getting priced up now a decent bit. I do think that both of the Patriots running backs are hmm. really interesting to me this week because Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, obviously they're splitting reps pretty evenly, but we know that Ramondre is getting a lion's share of the pass-catching workload. Yeah. And then they're playing the Lions. Like, the you know, did, <laughs> did we forget that, you know... Um, Rashad Penny had like 150 yards and two scores last week. So I think that either of those guys can be a solid play in a lineup. And I definitely will be trying to get exposure to both of them this week. And I think that, you know, there's a good chance I would say that one of them ends up with like multiple touchdowns. What do you think on that? Yeah,
1: this is this is this feels like what we talked about with the Eagles and Cardinals where because I can't like pick or because I don't feel comfortable picking between the two of them, just like I don't feel comfortable with the Cardinals, and thus the Eagles become a trickier stack. Because mm-hmm. what, what will happen a lot of the time for me, and I think for I'm, I'm human just like everybody else is, and I mostly like hand-build just a small amount of teams, I can't decide between Ramondre and Damian Harris, even though I like them both. So when yep. I'm making one team, I'm like, yeah, just give me Jeff Wilson, right? I know Jeff Wilson's going to get, the, like, if the running back score points for the 49ers, it's going to be Jeff Wilson, right? If the running back score points for the Bucks, it's going to be Lenny. Like, so you just move, but those guys get more ownership then too. Yeah. And so well, I'm trying and- to change my mindset a little bit and, and force myself into some of these like Patriots, like you
2: mentioned. Yeah. And I think it's tricky because. Ramondre is like very chalky this week. And then so is um, Damian Harris on DraftKings. His FanDuel price is kind of ridiculous. So it keeps his ownership <laughs> a little bit lower there. But yeah, and Jeff Wilson's ownership is also not particularly palatable. So it's kind of like, like you said, it's, I think this slate is especially tricky because the plays that are good on paper, then you have to like eat this chalk. And what, what are, you know, in these games that are already so. Um, I guess mid, you know, like if we're gonna use <laughs> yes. Gen Z language here. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's it's tough. I think Jamal Williams obviously in another great spot. I've already talked about how I don't think the Lions should really be underdogs in this game. So yeah, I think Jamal Williams is potentially in another huge, huge spot. He's got two touchdowns each of the last two weeks, right? Yeah. So. so
1: the so what I am seeing, if you want to flip through maybe a couple more and then we can kind of hit yeah. our last our last couple of games. But what I am oh, seeing, there's Kate Otten. There's hey, Kate. there. There's there's Kate Otten. That's uh he's in so the second to last column. Can you scroll up just a smidge? Yeah. Just it's... so that's projected ownership is what the ownership is, right? And yeah. then exposure is how many out of these lineups he's that you built up this yep. So you built 25 teams and obviously it has a hundred percent brady um and we forced 100 percent mike williams and london right so it's Mm -hmm. good those three are going to be 100 and then when we fit around those guys it's telling us how much of that and so it's actually bringing back a ton of k dotten right uh 52 percent 52 percent yeah so that's that's pretty interesting and uh uh shout out to whoever that was in the chat that called the called k dotten season but uh uh, that's kind of one of the macro things i did kind of want to bring up and interestingly on maybe the top stack. I don't know that people are going to go, go to Kate Otten and tight end is so bad. If you can include Mm -hmm. the tight end in your stack, right? I know this has Lenny and Kate Otten. I don't know that I love the running back in the tight end, but including the tight end in, in your stack can like be the way to kind of, you know, cheat your way through the tight end position. You know know what I
2: mean? So that's interesting. And Otten's a total punt tight end, right? He's 2,500 min price. Like, you know, kind of kill two birds with one stone, get them in your stack and pay as little as possible on this terrible slate for tight ends. If he (laughs) he gets lucky and finds the end zone, like you're well on your way to cashing in your lineups. I like that it found Jalen Waddle. I think that he and Tyreek Hill are still both going to see monster targets. We know that Teddy Bridgewater is fairly accurate. So I think that that's a good spot for him this week against the Jets. I mean, I like all the pieces in this lineup. What do you Mm think? Yeah, definitely.
1: I'm glad the uh same same thing with you with with Waddle. And then Waddle and Tyreek both, I think, um a little banged up. That game's not very exciting. It, you kind of see this all the time, right? It's like because we don't want to stack that game. I mean, I don't say we, I mean like generally as a as a community, nobody wants <laughs> the Teddy Bridgewater, Zach Wilson game is not particularly uh exciting to everybody and the total's low, blah, blah, blah. That the Waddles. And Tyreek's and such of the world, the the Garrett Wilsons and Elijah Moores and Brees mm-hmm. Halls and everything, th- their ownership falls too because they don't project necessarily better than anybody, and they're not in a game that's that's necessarily better. But <clears throat> Waddle versus whatever Godwin or something is really not that different you know generally speaking mm-hmm. and so um yeah he he was interesting to see to see in here the k dot thing has me shook a little <laughs> uh 50 k Dotten, but i think it's a pretty i'm glad it spotlighted a couple of those things
2: yeah and then i think that we can let's just take out lenny for the yeah. sake of seeing yeah. what other stacks it puts together and then i just want to see what happens if we up the correlation a little bit then we can run this again and then for everyone at home who's wondering like, oh, where can I get this tool? What What is this when I'm looking at? Um, so this is our player profiler custom GPP lineup genius. It's part of our DFS dominator package, which you'll see here includes these five tools. It's only $45 for just the DFS dominator package. And then currently we have a deal to get $50 off the all in package, which is normally 135. You can get it for 85 through the rest of the month of October so if you go to playerprofiler.com, you know, subscribe, you can use all these tools, build your correlated lineups, and then, you know, build lineups like these with, you know, Brady, Godwin, Evans, Drake London coming back off of it. What do we see here, Eric? Tony Pollard uh, is is kind of shocking. I, I <laughs> uh, I
1: if it weren't, if, if, if you put like a Patriots running back in there, I kind of mm. think that would be like super, super fascinating. I don't even necessarily hate Herbert, but there's some, you know, the the Harris and Ramondres. I think, um, for me, probably yeah, we'll pivot,
2: maybe. Trying I don't to mind make. pivoting that to Harris.
1: You can, and then you know, you have the you have the Seahawks just to to hit on. Uh, Cody asked a question that happens to to kind of come up here, um, with just the the tight end and the the defense landscape. He's like, how do you feel about you know kind of punting? At, at both positions, and I would say I love, <laughs> I I, yep. I love that punting. You know, this this team has Higby, but you saw like the Otten team before punting down to that twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars tight end, and then punting down at, at defense. Where again, I don't really think that there's necessarily anybody that's that much better at defense. We have the Cowboys projected as one of the highest owned, mm-hmm. and they're also twenty five hundred like the Seahawks. But I do really like them. I mean, the pressure that they're getting for twenty five hundred is really nice, like you said. But you have other teams down here with good matchups uh that are that are you know either good matchups or they're they're good defenses for for cheap so totally totally like that
2: yeah i mean i think as far as punts go like yeah i don't the cowboys being 2500 on DraftKings feels like a misprice like Mm -hmm. micah parsons and we saw you know i guess it's another case of the monday night game happening after the prices are set and i bet that they would be higher if we had you know if they had the seven sack game for Stafford going into their algorithms, but they didn't. So that's like they're chalky because of that. And I think the Seahawks against the saints, like I've already said, are in a good spot. And then like, so we have $300 here. If there was one spot in this lineup, we wanted to improve, like maybe Tyler Higby, nah, nothing there.
1: And I mean, definitely. Okay. Leaving, leaving 300, 300, um, the Pollard thing was just surprising me. He is question. We're getting like 10 million questionables. I don't think any of these are real questionables, but Tyreek is questionable. Pollard is questionable. Um, Teron Armstead is questionable. Xavier Howard is questionable. So Kamara is questionable. CD is questionable. So lots of questionables. Like I said, I don't think that uh, I think most of those are more probable than questionable, but um, lots to monitor this week for sure. Lots to monitor.
2: Definitely. You just flip through a couple more. Yeah, I want to see. McCaffrey and Mostert paired up here. I don't think I can do
1: CMC, but I can see why it's doing that when you look at the team, right? If you get the double stack, Kate Otten and Mike Evans with the Drake London bring back. We have Mike Williams there, who's a great play and not cheap. You have Mostert makes sense to me. Jeff Wilson makes sense to me. It's like, well, dummy, you got a
2: lot of money left. So uh, there's this guy who's pretty good at running back. (laughs) And I think even though he's had kind of a, less than what we expected here and certainly not keeping pace with his like legendary games and seasons of the past, like Christian McCaffrey is still getting a crazy receiving workload. I think that he's still someone who, especially on DraftKings where it's full PPR is going to help you go a long way. And I mean, how often do we see Christian McCaffrey (laughs) only 5% ownership? So maybe, maybe not the worst idea I mean, the the Niners defense of course is pretty tough. pretty scary task but i mean, I think like you said that it's exactly why the optimizer finds things like that that we might be scared to think of on our own
1: there's some jets there's some jets love
2: mm-hmm.
1: little breeze conklin breeze is interesting as well uh another guy i'm kind of i kind of like that it's it spotlighted similar to waddle where kind of just getting like a really good football player getting a nice workload. I know he's, you know, not a total workhorse, but he's taking over more of that backfield. Um as as kind of these these weeks are going on. I don't really know whether Zach Wilson is good or bad for him. I mean, well, I guess we'll see over over time. But at a minimum, it has to give the offense at least a little more upside, I would think, with with mm-hmm. Zach Wilson. And just he's just again kind of falling through the cracks, like people are mentioning Mostert, and I like Mostert just fine too. But Mostert's it's a $400 difference. What's the difference, really? It's nothing. But people are going to flock to Mostert because they just perceive the situation to be a little bit better, whereas Brees could get like 22 to 25 touches here, and I don't think anybody would really be very surprised.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of out of the blue when last week we saw him actually take over the backfield. I mean, I'm looking at his you know player page right now on Player Profiler, and his snap shares went from 44%, 27%, 50%, up to sixty four percent, and <laughs> he's seen, you know, more than five targets in three of his four games. More than ten targets in two of his four games. Then again, Joe Flacco is gone now, but he still had six targets last week in Zach Wilson's twenty twenty two debut. I think that, you know, he's another guy in that price range, very chalky, and very high upside at a at a friendly price. So I think that, like, definitely someone looking to get exposure to. This week got a miles sanders lineup in here with aj nice. brown i like this a lot
1: it's an interesting way um not even just necessarily miles sanders but that approach of the kind of couple eagles um we haven't gotten to this totally in any of our shows yet but this week it does feel kind of applicable where we don't necessarily want to go up and get hurts or josh allen or something like that at, mm-hmm. at their price but kind of still building in that stack or even a game stack right um brady's so cheap that it doesn't really make sense but maybe like old school brady you could have done this like when brady was 7500 be like well i can play trevor lawrence let's just say trevor lawrence i can mm-hmm. use trevor lawrence at 5600 save 2000 still get brady's weapons and get another game stack of like the jags texans this week Yep. you know, we don't Brady's six Brady's himself 6,000. So that, that is silly, but like with, you could do it with Hertz or with Josh Allen. It's like, yeah, just give me the, the Eagles weapons and I don't need to go get hurts. Just please God don't, you know, don't drop 45 on my head or something like that. And you kind of build in like two game stacks into one lineup.
2: Totally. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that's, you know, it's a little riskier there to do it with a guy like Hertz or Josh Allen than it is with mm-hmm. Brady. Who's like not going to get any rushing production whatsoever whereas Hertz or Josh Allen could easily bury you with 15 points on the ground. <laughs> yep. um, but I like the, you know, I think getting unique with your stacking like this. I mean, look at this. We got Eckler and Mike Williams in a lineup together, which we talked about the potential for huge target concentration there. They're both extremely low ownership for some reason. And Man, that is crazy. Garrett Wilson you know, we, we talked about the Dolphins receivers, but I think Garrett Wilson in this game is also pretty wheels up for me. So this is like a good way, a lot of really good pivots here to like fit around this very chalky Brady-Godwin stack.
1: This is really nice. Yeah, I like seeing, like you said, because it's it's doing that process of, of making your lineups unique. You know, it's doing it for you. You don't have, I don't, we don't have to think through like, okay, I'm playing this chalky Brady Godwin, you know, with London stack or whatever. How do I like, who can I play? Who can I, can I not play? And you don't have to like necessarily just take every single one of these teams at face value. Right. But you're seeing click as we click through these things. I'm like, okay. Oh, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I can put Garrett Wilson in there. I can put Mike Williams in there. I can play Miles Sanders. Uh, you know, I can play Brees. I could play Waddle. And like, you just get all these ideas that, like, I you know, Dario and I could talk for f- five hours, and we're not going to be able to fit every, f- figure uh-huh. every single one of these out. And it's doing it for us, you know, in the in the blink of an eye. I love scrolling through them. Yep.
2: You know, yeah, no, it's a definitely addicting. Camara is yeah. <laughs> an interesting spot, I think. You know, they're saying he's going to be back to full health this week. I don't know how much I buy that, but he's still Alvin Kamara. Last time I checked, I think I saw someone on Twitter saying that this is the cheapest he's been on DraftKings since week nine of his rookie year, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. (laughs) So, yeah, against the worst defense in the NFL. Yep. Second worst. I mean, there's the Lions that are out there. Yeah, right. the, the two teams that
1: the, the two teams that uh, I faded in tournaments last week. Yeah, that, that scored a million, a million points. Uh, again, Milt Williams, Christian Kirk. I like Damian Pierce. We didn't talk in the Zeke. Uh Zeke mm-hmm. is actually kind of interesting, but uh Damian Damian Pierce being kind of another one of the like chalky-ish running back pieces. But again, you see the builder is creating a lineup where it's like, look, you can still play Brady, right? The Brady Evans, um, London stack and you can play Damian Pierce because we're going to give you Kate Otten and we're going to mm-hmm. give you Zeke. And we're going to give you Mike Williams. And like you still build a really good tournament team around kind of some of the more popular pieces.
2: Totally. Yeah, I think. Um, is there any last combinations you want to try? And then we can wrap up the show with some quick hits on the other two games we want to talk about today.
1: I don't I don't have any, I don't think. Um, the only thing that I was going to kind of ask you was, do you think there's scenarios in which, you know, Julio is questionable where we extend to to Julio or Russell Gage or anything anything like that? Or do you think it's going to largely just totally be the Evans Godwin and, and maybe Kate Otten and and, and Lenny, right? So we, we have a lot of bucks out there, but yeah. like if Julio plays, is he in the player pool or anything like that?
2: I think that, I mean, Julio has been looking kind of, Dusty these last I think he's played what he played in he saw the field for the first time since week one and he had two targets and Russell Gage had that huge game in week three. I'm more inclined to play gauge between the two of them, and especially if uh-huh. Julio's out, I think you mix in gauge and make it like a little bit more of a trio yeah. of those receivers. Um but I think that like Tom Brady it's kind of hard to tell because last week they were really pass heavy out of pure necessity because they were down like, you know, 20 some points and this week that definitely won't be the case. So it's a, it's kind of a, you know, litmus test for whether the Bucks will stay pass heavy when they're ahead. Cause that was something they did last year. And that was the reason they were huge for us and DFS and best ball and everything like in week one, when they beat the Cowboys, they couldn't finish in the end in the red zone. So I think, this is kind of another, like I said, it's just a test to see whether the Cowboys will, or sorry, the Bucks will stay <laughs> past heavy when they're ahead because we haven't really had a chance to have that hypothesis tested much yet this year.
1: That's a really great point. And one where I'm kind of as well, we'll it leads into kind of two quick games that we'll hit on and then get out of here is the assumption is a, it, it's kind of funny in 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 two ways. The assumption is that the the Falcons matchup is so good that it's just we're right back to last year wheels up on the Bucks. Now, I know the price is very good, right? Tom Brady at mm-hmm. 6000, Godwin at 5900, etc. I get it. But like for weeks this was not the same old Bucks. We frankly like weren't even interested in these dudes. Like they were yeah. bad. You know what I mean? And now they're like the highest owned stack but it's again it's a good matchup and pricing so i get that but it's kind of funny that 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 is the case and what you said that they, they ran the ball six times last week six <laughs> they, it, they threw through 52 52 passes right so they were just throwing every down because they were just getting obliterated by by the chiefs I, we don't know that that's what's going to happen this week maybe Maybe, you know, maybe maybe it is, but the field is very sure that we're still going to get this crazy pass rate out of out of the bucks. It does make me a little bit more interested in Lenny because I think he can get there in both ways. If they Mm -hmm. keep passing, he can just smash from catching passes. We see we've seen it all the time. If they do maybe take the foot off the gas a little bit, yeah, there's Rashad White concerns, but I mean, maybe that's that's like a fourth quarter concern. And if Lenny ain't got there by the fourth quarter against the Falcons, he probably ain't getting there anyway. So um I just think it's interesting, you know, that the field is is we're, we're we're setting aside all the the concerns for Brady and and the Bucks because the matchup and everything, and the price is right. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of other times we're, we we don't do that. You know what I mean? Like we we don't just set aside. You know, we're not setting aside the concerns about the Bears <laughs> and not saying that we right. sh- we should or should or shouldn't. But um, we kind of pick and choose when to do that. One team that we talked about last week, I want to hit on this, because I do think this game's really interesting for tournaments is Texans Jaguars, where you do kind of have, I think, Trevor Lawrence as a pivot off of Brady, although he's gonna be, I think it's gonna be those two guys. He's yeah, uh, those are at, the like was, yeah, they're the chalk somehow. <laughs> yes, which is hilarious to think about, right? Um, Tom Brady and, and and Trevor Lawrence, but they get they get the Texans. I do think, though, that if a guy in that range were going to beat, Tom, Tom Brady I think Lawrence is probably the most probable guy to do it and he also has the very clear stacking partners Zay Jones is questionable but he's been limited all week and they're saying that he's Doug Peterson said he's he's good to go zay he's been mm-hmm. like sneaky awesome so far yep. this year both in the box score and on the football field and Christian Kirk like you just saw how many lineups he shows up into uh yep. when, we, when we when we run the optimals he looks great and there's some there's some reasonable enough uh, guys, I guess I would say on the Texans side. So what are your general thoughts on, on Texans Jaguars kind of as maybe a pivot off the Bucks?
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's hard to stomach a chalky Trevor Lawrence. Like <laughs> I think He's looked better this year, but a lot of his underlying metrics are still not necessarily blowing me away. Like he's gotten a little bit luckier with touchdown variants. He had a big game against the chargers, but I think that he had, he's not doing any like his, QBR is 58.8 like that's just above league average he's number 11 overall like he's not he's not like Tua where we're seeing like oh wow this is a huge leap forward for this guy it's kind of like you know he was just so bad last year that getting to okay is is remarkable to us yes but yes. I think that that just makes it really <laughs> tough for me to to want to play him so I think that this might be a game where I'll just be inserting a lot of Christian Kirk plus Brandon Cooks in a yep. lineup or Zay Jones plus Brandon cooks and just say, look, maybe this game pops off. And even if this game does, like, even if the game doesn't go too big, I think Kirk and cooks can still both definitely get there because they're the alphas in their respective offenses.
1: Totally agree. I also think um, if you do want to, even as a, as a kind of a, a secondary correlation, or if you want to stack this game, um, Here's we talked about uh it's only week four. We shouldn't be talking this much about Josh Reynolds. We should never be mentioning these names ever, but this tight end slate is so gross. Uh the the, the Texans tight end production like across the board has been like really good this year. It's just been we ne- we don't really know who it's gonna be, right? Mm-hmm. There's been Brevin Jordan, there's been uh Pharaoh Brown, there's been OJ Howard popping up for two touchdowns. There's been they brought back Jordan Aikens. Now they cut Jordan Aikens. And Pharaoh. Farrell Brown, Brown this week too, yeah. yeah and they cut Farrell Brown and Brevin Jordan is questionable. I believe he did not practice again today. So, I think it could be OJ Howard time. Uh, yeah. he's 2600 on DraftKings and so I think like if you're playing Christian Kirk and you're like I don't want to play K. Dotten or something and I need a punt tight end, I actually think OJ Howard makes makes a, a fair bit of sense. And so I just think there's a lot of ways you can even if like even if you play Brady uh, get the christian kirk thing and then use Mm -hmm. your use your punt tight end or play cooks or whatever Um, i just think that this game is going to have fantasy goodness i don't know that it's going to be the slate winning game stack but i definitely feel very confident that it's going to have fantasy goodness one last game that i'm not as confident is going to have fantasy goodness is uh, seahawks and the saints looks like andy dalton is going to be the uh, starter for the saints and we have uh, soon to be Pro Bowler, I guess, Geno Geno Smith on on the other side. Soon but to be MVP, MVP, yeah, MVP. Geno is, but is this is this kind of where the buck stops though with with Seattle? Not necessarily for fantasy that we don't want to play any of these guys, but is this kind of where um, maybe Seattle slows down a, a little bit and we want to lean a more a little more heavily on the Saints side? Or how are you feeling about this this last game?
2: I think that. I mean, this Saints defense has been one that has been pretty good since like 2017. They had a bit of a resurgence, right? But they've just been losing piece after piece in free agency because yeah. they just can't afford to keep everyone. They drafted so well, they couldn't afford to keep everyone. It happens to any team that drafts well. And they're kind of struggling to generate pressure this year. And Geno Smith has been really good against just like when he's not pressured. So mm-hmm. I think that Geno Smith's, for example, his clean pocket completion percentage. I think Matt touched on this last week. It's 84 percent, number one in the league. So if you don't pressure Geno Smith, like he's going to cook you. And the Saints haven't really been getting that much pressure this year. So I'm actually kind of inclined to play the Seahawks. I think that like I touched on this maybe a few minutes ago is like a skinny stack with Olave and Metcalf or Olave and Lockett is really appealing to me kind of the same way. I just touched on maybe Kirk and cooks from that Jaguars Texans game. I think that like, yeah, you, I mean, maybe this is the week to like, just go, you know, big Dick energy and play Gino again. And maybe he gets you there. But I think that like, this is a great game for some just more skinny stacking. I'm still worried about Alvin Kamara and it's like, you don't want to really touch any of the tight ends. On either of these offenses so it's kind of mm-hmm. just like a a Tyler Lockett DK Metcalf and Chris Olave game for me and I think that the over-unders 46 and a half like there's enough there should be enough offense here for something you know to happen for for these receivers
1: yeah, definitely. Um, Cody is definitely in on Olave. In case anyone couldn't tell, uh, I definitely, I definitely like Olave. The only concern for Olave is uh, protected ownership. He's predicted to be our highest owned wide receiver on the slate, and I have, I, I don't have a negative thing to say. Michael Thomas is out. Uh, Michael uh, Chris Olave's target earning ability has been like so head and shoulders above what I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. um, in the NFL. I knew he was a good football player. I thought he'd be an awesome like. Role player, right? Like I I, I don't I, I hate I hate yeah. the People say this all the time, like, oh, he's Deshaun Jackson. I, I, I didn't I don't mean it like that, but I mean in terms of how impactful and of like a role player you could be, right? Deshaun Jackson's not not Devontae Adams, right. but he's a really impactful football player. I kind of thought about Chris Olave in that way, right? Give me my six to seven down the field targets every single week, just do do the little things and help my offense. I did not expect gonna be, you know, lapping the entire NFL in air yards and averaging mm-hmm. double digit, double double digit targets, but the field is, is is on is on that with Olave right and so I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. you know fade him in 150 teams but I'd be smart about how I play my Chris Olave I agree I don't think I can do it with Kamara but I, it's it, it's kind of the same sentiment um like we talked about with the Bucks thing everybody is like we're back on the Bucks. What happened before with the Bucks doesn't matter, and I get it. I I agree. I, I don't have any issue with anybody on the Bucks this week, right? I think it makes sense. But everybody has that same feeling, and the Falcons haven't went out there and just gotten torched all year. Mm-hmm. I know that their defense is not great, but they're not they're not out there being the Seahawks defense or the they're... Lions defense.
2: You know what I mean? They're win. They're two and two. They're winning. They, they should have been... been the Saints in week one. They'd be th- you know atop the division right now. They had the ball. They marched down the field against the Rams as well right. and, and yep.
1: could have won that. They could literally be 4-0. We're sitting here talking about how bad <laughs> the they 4-0 are. 4-0 Falcons. They, yeah, they, they could be 4-0. And so all I'm saying is that you mentioned the Geno thing, and then I was bringing up Kamara both as like the counterpoints to that. Geno is balling out of control. And now you can say it's matchup, whatever, but you still have to you still have to make the throws. You still have to play. Every, not everybody crushes in every good matchup, right? Bailey Zappi's mm-hmm. playing the Lions this week. He ain't going to do what Gino did. Uh, go ahead and spoiler <laughs> alert. It's not That one's not going to happen. You still have to perform. And so, but nobody's going to play, right? Now, this week, it's Brady and Lawrence, and if and maybe we'll pay up. We're done with Gino. Mm-hmm. It's over, right? Why can't Gino just go do it again and go get 25 fantasy points or whatever here? I, I, I think it's reasonable. I don't think the Saints, like you said, are as good as they historically have been. I kind of think again just like the bucks thing my expectation is like the no pun intended the buck stops here with the seahawks Mm -hmm. and we don't kind of see that explosion but everybody thinks that if everybody thinks that like the gino to metcalf with the olave bring back is like looks a lot more appealing in tournaments and alvin kamara looks more appealing in tournaments if the seahawks are going to go score some points and maybe we get a little more receiving from kamara with dalton right i just think Mm -hmm. this game is one that at face value you're kind of like ugh, ugh, you know eh, i i don't really like it but everybody thinks that and everybody's going to go to these the other games so um i'm glad we touched on this one because it's uh it's yeah. fascinating for tournaments we're gonna this i mean like, we're gonna next week we're gonna have a conversation about like yep we knew it you know that, that gino was a fraud or holy shit gino is actually really really good you know yeah
2: no this is a very like beggars can't be choosers slate like do we just have a lot of Gross games, a lot of gross options to choose from across the slate. So we just kind of (laughs) like, you know, like we said, like we said on the top of this show, like we got to dig deep and like there's, there's nothing, there's not really many freebies on this slate. Like it's kind of a lot, a lot of, um, you know, just guess and check and see, see what happens. And then,
1: I mean, it's going to, it's one of these games you feel uncomfortable with that's going to blow up I have no idea which one it's going to be probably (laughs) not the one that I pick or we pick or whatever right one of these games is going to blow up Seattle uh, Houston obviously you know Tampa Bay could come out and drop a 40 spot here on Atlanta or whatever but it's generally not the one I know that, that there's not necessarily math to back this up but when everybody thinks the same things it's generally not the ones that we all kind of expect to happen right we expect the bills to go score 40 every week and they haven't been doing it not even mm-hmm. close actually you know we 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 expect all these things to constantly happen and they 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 most of the time they they don't so um like i said i liked the like the Seahawks game being on there and some of these games that are maybe look a little grosser at face value. But because of this slate, the opportunity cost is pretty low, right? The the opportunity cost is like, okay, I didn't stack the Eagles, but they're super expensive. Like outside of that, it's like Mm -hmm. there's not really much opportunity cost. There's no opportunity cost at tight end. And so then it's kind of what games are you stacking? And I think you know, if you want to eat some running back chalk or whatever, but in general, I think this week, like just kind of being contrarian, is it like you saw Mike Williams at 1% with no Keenan Allen against the Browns? Like, come on, dude. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to play Mike Evans play, play, play uh Mike Williams, play Christian Kirk. Right. I, I love Olave, but play Christian Kirk, you know, like y- you can, you can make pivots that are great plays that are contrarian this week. Um, That's kind of, what i've learned in the last hour talk, t- t- yeah. talking to you
2: that's it's really started to kind of uh, uh feel more true to me well and you know it's i think we we talk about expected value right and it's like if you follow the chalk and the chalk does hit you're never going to win as big as if you go contrarian at that hits like it just you know by the laws of probability right like if you if if we're on this bucks game and everyone else is and it does go nuts like Sure, you'll do well, but if you're on the Seahawks Saints game and that hits, or if you pick the right Texan and Jaguar as your secondary stack, like that's where you build lineups that are going to win in like every contest that you enter them. So yep. that's what we're trying to do too.
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I I, I do want to hit just a couple of uh, the people's Phil uh, or fail fail Mary will oh, fail fail Mary asking a Kamara ownership. Um, I think. I think people will still be pretty scared off by him. I'm not, not going to put an exact number on it, but I wouldn't be worried about his ownership in tournaments because I think the general sentiment is just like, how many? How, what can you even project him for? I mean, he's questionable, mm-hmm. first of all, still. What can you even project him for touch-wise? So I, I don't think he's going to be um, super owned. And uh, Aaron also asked, are you going over or under on, on Kamara's ownership? Um, and then, yeah, more Kamara perfect spot for him to to break out i i I agree it's just you know there's a lot there's a lot of uncertainty around that and i do think there's a good clip of opportunity cost at running back all right last thing Mm -hmm. before we get out of here what's the the i try to wrap with the what's the what's the hot take what's the tournament winning what's the tournament winning stack game stack since this is a game stack show what what, if you got to put your feet to the fire i got to put your feet to the fire which game do you have to stack what's the Lions seahawks game of
2: the of this week or the la- or the last yep.
1: year's Browns Chargers,
2: <laughs> I think. I-, I was about to say Browns Chargers. I think you stack. <laughs> I think you stack Herbert. Like, you know, it, it, the the potential, the, the, the just pure upside of a Herbert Eckler Mike Williams stack with like Kareem Hunt on the other side of it in a bad game script for the Browns is just absolutely slate breaking and very low owned this week so i think that's that's my call and i feel more confident about that call than most weeks where it's like oh there's so many good choices how do i pick it this week is kind of like i guess it's this one
1: yeah yeah right right
2: which is which is funny but
1: i i I think i wouldn't have said that that stack coming into this and i promise it's not just because the game went nuts last (laughs) last year but (laughs) I do think the more we talked it through, like for sure, Herbert, Mike Williams with one of these Browns bring backs. I think there's basically four guys on the Brown side. I like the fact that there's running backs you can use, expensive wide receivers, a little bit cheaper wide receivers pending josh palmer's health or whatever there's you know njoku we saw njoku and we're done with njoku right we spent a bunch of time last week talking Mm -hmm. about njoku and now i'm looking at ownership and you know he's six percent or whatever at at 3800 and it makes for a great bring back to me i just think that the options are are so 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 nice in this game that uh i'm I'm pretty in on it now as as agreeing with you as the the slate breaker
2: totally i mean everything we said about njoku last week at 3700 still applies for him at 3800 and the field is completely off of it
1: yeah we're gonna play zach Ertz and tyler higby and we can't play (laughs) day and we can't play david and joku in tournaments it's funny but um that thanks for hanging out with us guys appreciate you had a ton of fun uh probably it's probably because matt wasn't here uh we (laughs) we we got to talk about what we wanted to talk about kidding obviously we love you matt matt will be back next week uh as well of course myself and dario uh, appreciate you guys. Appreciate uh, uh, all the comments and the the conversation. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks, Eric.